2: Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking, and I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Tyson, you know we we went back to recording our episodes mostly in the morning, and I like that. But sometimes we have a different energy in the afternoon, so it's it's good to be back with you.
3: Yeah, uh, we're, we're. Let's see. I was thinking we recorded this morning, but I guess we didn't. We had a meeting this morning, but so we. This is the second one in two days. So, listen. I don't even know if I should even say this, but are we going to do the two a week? We we talked about adding an, an additional one per week. Are we going
2: to do that or are we, going to, are we going to stay at one a week? I think we should go to two a week. I think people would like it. I think if we did Tuesday, Thursday, that'd be good.
3: Okay. Uh, so you heard it here first. We're probably going to go to two a week. So we get more bang for your buck. So all that money you're spending on this podcast, you're going to get two of them. So congratulations. I, are you going to introduce our guest today?
2: Well, I thought you were going to express your displeasure with my not using our maximum layer Slack channel.
3: Oh, I can keep. I can stay on that. So, Jim hacking. We've got a Slack channel where we've got. We're actually well or, organized now. We're we're creating this well-oiled machine. And Jim though doesn't partake in the Slack group. Everybody else talks on Slack, but Jim doesn't. So, Jim thinks he's special. So, uh, and then Chelsea hopped on. Chelsea Lamy, who's going to be our guest, and she wants. I, I was hoping that Chelsea, you would help me uh, give Jim crap, and you have. You helped. You helped right away. <laughs>
4: Uh, just always here to help, serve. I'm so happy I could help you with that.
2: <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out how to do two Slack channels on at the same time. I, I know that my VA does it with a web browser, but I don't think there's a way to have alerts for both channels in Slack at the same time. Is there?
3: Man, you're so old.
2: Gosh, yeah. man. There, so there's
3: a button <laughs> on the left side. Okay, so it depends on if you're on your phone or on the the app. And this is I guess this is a good little tip for everybody. Yes, you can have multiple Slack groups in one app, whether if it's the desktop version and they're on the left side, you click the plus button. If you're on your phone, you just swipe over to the right and it opens up the other ones for you and you can access your other groups.
2: All right, well, we're gonna have to figure that out later. Let's go ahead and introduce our guests. Fire and away. I'm, I'm gonna introduce our guest by reading the message that she sent to me on Facebook. Now, I will say for everyone who's listening that generally when people message me and say they wanna come on our show, I don't follow up with them because if they want to come on, usually they're trying to sell something or they're boring or they're just podcast junkies. But our guest today is Chelsea Marie Lamy. I'm going to read what she said. Hi, Jim. I'm Chelsea, a PI lawyer with a virtual office in Clearwater, Florida. I opened my firm in 2016, closed my brick and mortar in 2018, went virtual, moved my family to Mexico, and now I run my firm from Mexico, returning to Florida one week a month. And that's only nine months a year. The other three, we travel internationally for hearings, depots, mediations, etc. I grew my firm from a team of two to a team of six, and from six figures to seven figures in less than three years. And I love speaking to other lawyers about how they can do the same. Now, how about that for an introduction, Chelsea?
4: That's the best intro I've ever had. Thank you. you <laughs> it's almost it. like I wrote it myself. That's right. <laughs> If only you knew I did that while like holding a kid in one arm half asleep on the couch. which I should have put more effort into it now.
3: <laughs> so that introduction gets me motivated. I, I love hearing these stories. This is fantastic. So, so Chelsea, tell us, how did you get to that point? How did you get to, you know, having that brick and mortar office and then going to moving to Mexico and having a virtual office? That's amazing
4: sure well i started practicing around 2007 as an insurance defense lawyer switched over to plaintiff's personal injury 2008 and was an associate made some lateral moves i finally got with the firm that i worked up and made partner was there for six years and throughout during that time i was always very clear that my family was the most important thing to me travel was extremely important to me and i i wanted to just be sure that i could do what i needed to do as long as the work got done. I didn't want to have to feel like I had to be in the office. And and that worked great for the time I was there. And I'm thankful for for that great opportunity I had there. But in 2016, I decided to open my own personal injury law firm. I left the partnership uh, that I was at that other PI firm. And I looked over my calendar over the last, six years before that, for example, and I added up all the time I had been traveling out of the country. And it was about four to five months a year when you added it all up. And I realized, you know, if I can do what I'm doing and make the money that I'm making and bring in the clients I'm bringing in, and the clients aren't hurt, and my staff is, is running, you know, running well, why can't I be gone? 12 months out of the year and just come back as needed? Why did I really even have to have a quote unquote home base? And so after opening my firm in 2016, things went great. Uh, 2018, our lease was up. And I was in that sort of that defining moment where you think you've got to buy the building, right? This is your next move. This is what all successful law firms do. And I just thought, am I doing it because I'm supposed to be doing this or am I doing this because I want to do this? And when I really slowed down and thought about what I really wanted for my life and my family and my and my firm, I knew that going virtual was the only way. So we we just planned the whole idea of buying a big building, and we went completely virtual. I sent all my staff home, got some virtual space we could meet clients at, and I took my family and we moved. We completely changed our lives and moved to Mexico.
2: All right. So there's so many angles to this, and this is a topic we've covered on past episodes with our friends Josh Goldstein and Sean Hemp. So let's talk first about how your your team reacted and what what they've experienced in going virtual themselves.
4: Well, I am a huge data freak. I am big on setting goals. I'm huge on systems, processes, and procedures. So my team already knew how to hold down the fort whenever I would be gone, and we were in you know, pretty much constant communication. I mean, unless I was trekking gorillas uh, in Rwanda... So uh, if, if I wasn't doing something like that, then they knew they could get a hold of me basically 24/7 for anything that was important. But they knew their jobs, they they knew the systems, they knew the procedures. We have automated, mergeable forms through our case management software, so they were elated because they were going to finally be able to you know work from home in their pajamas and do the same quality work that they could do coming into the office every day.
3: So Chelsea, how do you deal with clients? I mean, how many clients actually want to meet you in person and how do you how do you deal with the ones that want to meet you in person and how do you handle intakes? How do you deal with all that?
4: Sure, so I'm a big believer in every person being trained in their one position and just learning how to flawlessly execute that position using our processes and procedures and mergeable forms. So for my firm or a personal injury firm, it is important that the calls are answered answered live by a qualified team member. And so I created a position years ago called New Client Advocate. And my friend, that's Adelina. And Adelina answers all the phones. And anytime there's a new client, she's the first person that they connect with. Now, if I'm available, which I usually am, she'll try to patch, she'll, she'll obviously go through her process and follow her check uh, her check sheets and collect all the information. And then at some point in that call, if I'm available, she will patch me in for a very quick, we're talking, clients are happy with a 10 or 20 or 30 second quick hello, answer a quick question, let them know how this process is going to go, and then turn it back over to Adelina. once. They've had that. They've, you know, they've met me at least over the phone. They feel comfortable. They're a little bit more relaxed. Adelina then sets up either an in-person meeting at their home, their office, or one of our satellite offices to do the document signing, or we offer them the opportunity to do it electronically. And of course, you know, the way technology is going and the way things are changing, and the and the client base, you know, is trending younger. Everybody wants the electronic option. Very few of my clients are actually asking for in-person appointments. But those who do, Adelina goes out and physically meets with them and she's got a laptop and she pops it open. And again, if I'm available, I'm able to join via Zoom or Skype or any of those programs that we use. And I'm able to be face-to-face with the client for, again, maybe a minute. They, They don't really need a lot of time to just explain the basics of what's going to happen a second time. And, and that's how we do it. And a lot of times, you know, if, I, if I'm not available, for example, the clients aren't unhappy with that because they have talked to me on the phone already. And Adeline is just amazing at what she does. I hire really great people and I treat them so well that they do amazing, you know, they do an amazing job and, and they don't leave.
2: So we have some members in our group who get all bent out of shape when they're, they find someone in their staff, texting on their cell phone at three o'clock in the afternoon. They think that's outrageous. What's your mindset when it comes to employees and them getting their work done on sort of their schedule?
4: You know, especially since we're virtual, it's important that we maintain a professional office. So we do have rules like your hours are, for example, nine to five or 10 to six or eight to four, whatever you know you choose within our, our general rules. But at the end of the day, we're all adults. And if you can't trust, the person you've hired to act like an adult and to act like a professional and to get their work done in a reasonable way, then they shouldn't work for you, right? That you have to trust your employees. And my firm, I don't know a lot of firms that have a culture, but my law firm has a culture. It's actually on our webpage. You go to my website and you click culture. There it is. And our firm's culture is compassion. We have compassion for our clients, but just as importantly, we have compassion for each other, our team members. And you have to treat them like adults. You have to give them good benefits. You have to incentivize them to want to stay and and have ownership in your firm. And that's what I've had. Uh, we've we've had no person has ever quit that has ever worked uh, directly under me anywhere I have ever worked. But especially since we've started this firm in 2016, you know, we've had zero turnover from an employee choosing to leave
2: so Chelsea I want
3: to talk more about culture because we've got we have people all over the world we've got virtual assistants in other countries we've got employees spread all uh, all over the state of Missouri so can you talk a little bit about how you maintain that culture because we I mean it's I wouldn't say it's a struggle for us but it's something that we we try to focus on because, because we are spread out you know we're not in one centralized office and so we we have a lot of meetings where we we meet face to face with blue jeans or whatever but And then the people that can, we actually have in-person events whenever we can. But how do you maintain that culture? Because when you're spread out, that can be difficult.
4: It can be. And I do think it's important to connect as much and in as many ways as you can. So, for example, we all connect by email daily. We all connect by video conference. Daily, Maybe not a whole team meeting, but, you know, me to Regina and Regina to Bethany and Bethany to Nikki and Nikki to Adelina. We all have some sort of face-to-face communication through, for example, Zoom daily. We also, you know, I come back from Mexico once a month for usually at least five full days. And that's when I handle my hearings, my mediations, my depositions, my arbitrations, whatever's going on that I need to physically be present for. And when we do that, we always make sure that we have a weekly or that monthly team meeting where we get together for lunch or dinner. We go over the last month's goals, what we achieved, what we can do better. I hand out the bonus checks for the goals that were achieved for that prior month. Uh, So that's one way that we stay in touch. The other thing we do is every quarter, we get together for team building. So we take off one day every uh, three months and we do something fun. We do an escape room, we go to lunch and have a fancy spa day. There's another way that we stay in communication face-to-face at least once a month. And then the last thing that we do that really helps, in my opinion, with our team building is I have a very high revenue goal every year, but everyone works really hard to meet it. Because when we meet it, I take the team and a plus one out of the country anywhere they want to go for 10 days. So we actually shut down the office ten days a year, and I take my team and they're, they're plus one, and we go to amazing places. We've been to Thailand, we've been to Hawaii. We just met our goal for 2019 a few weeks or a few months ago. We're going to be heading to ten days in Italy in March. This sounds made up to me. I think you're making- <laughs> I, <laughs> I swear I'm not, and I can't tell you how many people <laughs> have asked me that. We have the pictures to prove it. You can call my team. 100% on my children's life, so this really happened.
2: <laughs> so what surprised you the most as you transitioned into this virtual office and, and working from Mexico?
4: I guess, so really, I think I, I thought it could work. I had every reason to believe it could work. But when it actually really did work, I was still surprised. But I'm also surprised by how much, I, I don't want to use the word physical, but I guess it's like physical in-person work. Lawyers do that's spread out throughout the month and is just so unnecessary. So we've all heard of block scheduling, right? Like Mondays you're supposed to do your phone calls and Tuesday you're supposed to try to set your hearings for Tuesdays and Thursdays. I kind of do block scheduling on steroids. I don't do Tuesdays and Thursdays hearings. I do five days a month are the only times that you can set me for an in-person hearing. We can do it the other three weeks a month over the phone. That's fine. But for me to physically be in person uh, doing something like a hearing, a depo, anything like that, it's got to be during these five days. And I'll tell you what, when you look at your calendar for maybe last month and you add up how many depots actually went, how many hearings actually went, I bet Most and I'm a litigator. I bet you I have have no less than any other litigator out there. But I just force the work to work for me. I force the the appointments to happen within those five days. Now those it's like heck week. You know it's a really hard week. The week that I do come into town, I'm working like a maniac from seven a.m. at seven a.m. to ten p.m. But wouldn't you love to get all of your in-person appointments done five days a month and have? three weeks a month where you don't have to be within 100 miles of your office. It's just block scheduling on steroids. I love
3: this. I, I love that, the fact that you've just, you know, you've made the decision to do it, you've committed to doing it, and you found a way. Well, a question I have is, how do you deal with mail and things like that? You, I mean, you're spread out. So what do you have an appeal box? How do you deal with, with that? Does it get scanned in? Can you talk about that a little
4: bit? Absolutely. So all of my employees, all of my team members are in the state of Florida. I'm only licensed in Florida. We have virtual space in Tampa, we have virtual space in Clearwater, and we have a PO box in Tampa. We specifically put the PO box within 10 miles of two longtime, you know, very trustworthy team members, my office manager and that new client advocate, uh, so Regina and Adelina. And so either one of them, obviously, it's Adelina's job because she handles the phone, she handles the mail. So she goes to the post office box it's within literally miles of her home. And every day she's checking that, opening it, scanning it, you know, following her. We have a 300-plus page PowerPoint or 300-plus slide PowerPoint that is my law firm's operation manual, it's not the employee handbook, the operations manual. It contains the system that I've spent 13 years building to tell every single person how to do every single part of their job from start to finish, from answering the phone to closing a file. And so that's in that manual. And it tells her what days, you know, it's obviously every day, Monday through Friday, she gets the mail, how to open it, how to sort it, how to scan it, what gets dropped to the the file on the server, what's urgent and goes immediately to my attention, what goes to the paralegal's attention. So that's how we handle the mail. It's you just have to write a protocol for every single thing anyone does in your office.
2: And how do you convey that to your team? Do you use a w- team wiki or what do you do for that?
4: We had, it's a PowerPoint that is saved to our server. And when it was finally done, it's been a work in process for years, but it was finally completed a few years ago. Everyone had to sit down and go through it and you know, sign, you know, yes, I've read this. Yes, I understand. And what's amazing is that my team is so invested in our success because my success is their success that they come up, they find flaws, they find problems, they come up with new ideas, they recognize a new piece of technology. And then they, they write to me and say, hey, can we, can we change this protocol to do this or do that? Look at this new technology. And, and I say, yes, yeah, that's a great idea. Or, you know, I'm a little worried. Let's round table it at our next team meeting. And they are actively helping me to build this living document, this 300 plus page PowerPoint, um, to make it better and better, but it makes us better and better every day.
3: So, Chelsea, whenever you were setting up all of this uh, so that you could get away from the brick and mortar, I mean, what were your biggest obstacles getting that set up?
4: You know, I, all, I think it's the same obstacle that we all have it's ourselves, it's doubt it's concern, it's worry. Uh, you know, is this going to work? Is this crazy? Am I going to lose clients? Am I going to lose referral sources? Don't all great lawyers have brick and mortars? What am I doing? Why am I giving this up? So it was just those, those little evil voices that are in your head that knock you down and make you doubt yourself. Um, so that was the hardest part was just telling myself that, you know, everything I've done, everything I've built, the clients, the referral sources, they weren't just gonna go away because I wasn't sitting in a twenty by twenty room anymore. That's ridiculous. And and I just had to push past that fear. And once we did that, we actually went from six figures to seven figures within six months of being virtual.
2: We'll take a break for a word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsor, Smith
1: AI. Smith AI is a superior receptionist service for law firms, trusted by many maximum lawyers, including me. At my immigration practice the hacking law practice. Smith's friendly U.S.-based receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for our consults. The best part is that they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on our website through their chat widget. They serve as our friendly gatekeepers while my team and I work uninterrupted. We get new clients and we get work done. How awesome is that? If you're in a solo or small firm, I know you'll appreciate this. Plans start at just $70 a month for calls and $100 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like me say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth. Smith AI offers a free trial and maximum lawyer listeners get an extra $100 discount with promo code MAXLAW100. That's M-A-X-L-A-W100. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say, don't let another day go by, try Smith AI.
2: You're back on the Maxim Lawyer podcast with Chelsea Marie Lamy. Chelsea, I get that mindset shift as being a big impediment to this, but logistically, what was the hardest thing, either a piece of technology or something that you really struggled to set up once you made that decision to set your, your firm up the way that you have?
4: I really can't think of anything that was that bad. We already had invested the time and the money into a server, so we had to move the server to, I don't know what you call it, a server farm somewhere, you know, off-site, obviously. We tested, I mean, we did have a few bumps testing the the phone system, getting the right uh, type of, you know, going through the computer. I think it's VOIP. Uh, getting the right phone system. We had a few bumps when we wanted to go to a payroll company online versus only using our bookkeeper. So we tested two or three different products out there for timekeeping and payroll. But these were just small little bumps, just this little things in the road. It really, you know we're also paperless now that even in our brick and mortars, other than the server, the phones, you know, the e the faxing system, there's really not much that we had to make big changes to it. It really doesn't matter where you're sitting. Once you have those systems down, you can take them, you know, to your home, to Mexico, or to your office on Main Street. It, it doesn't really matter where you're at.
3: So, Chelsea, are you planning on taking this national? Are you going to go from state to state? Are you wanting to stay in just Florida? What do, you, what do you want to do about that? Are you wanting to grow the firm, keep it small? I guess it's not really small. Do you want to keep it the same size? What are your plans for that?
4: I'm pretty happy with the way things are going right now. I do have a paralegal who has has a law degree and is looking to sit for the February bar. I do obviously plan on making her an associate attorney as soon as she passes. Uh, We might have to bring in one more paralegal. But right now, I'm pretty busy just doing handling this firm. Uh, I have two beautiful children, ages 4 and 6 in January, and I really value the time that I know I will never get back. You know, I'm going to have my whole life to work. I'm not going to have the rest of my life to have little kids. And so that's, that was one of the reasons for the move. We really just want to travel and to experience life. And I just wanted to build a firm that worked for me instead of me working for my firm. And I think we finally achieved that. So I'm not going to take the foot off the gas, but I'm not pushing the pedal all the way down. I'm pretty happy maintaining what we've created so far.
2: Did you feel like you had a roadmap for this or that you sort of knew what to do ahead of time? I know Lee Rosen spends a lot of time outside of America and and ran his firm until he sold it. So how did you even know where to start?
4: Just trial and error, just experience and just, just knowing, just following my heart. I really think when that lease ended and I had to choose between becoming a landlord and buying the million dollar building and having all that overhead or just letting it go, cutting that cord in, going virtual and having less stress and pressure and overhead and more freedom and flexibility. Uh, Travel's always been one of my top priorities, especially now that I have kids and getting them to travel and see the world. Uh, I just knew it was the right thing to do. There was definitely no roadmap. Uh, I was born and raised in a trailer park in in Western New York. I was homework by the time I was 16. I have a GED. So definitely nothing in my life has gone as planned. I'm sort of a seat of the pants kind of girl, but I just know to trust my, my core instincts and to think about things and, and obviously test them out, but to really not let fear hold me back. And you just have to make a decision about what you want your life to look like and move forward to achieve those goals.
3: All right. So Chelsea, I want to get your opinion on this. So there's a firm in St. Louis that, that ran some billboards. I mean, they're they're the biggest firm in St. Louis when it comes to personal injury. And there there have been a lot of firms over the years try to come into St. Louis and run a bunch of commercials, put up billboards just to try to take away market share. And the angle that they took was, you know, what we're here, we're local, we're you, you, you know us, kind of a thing, and it seemed like it's pretty effective. I actually like the ads quite a bit, and I think if I were one of your competitors, probably what I would do is I would take a, a similar tactic and say, "Listen, I'm here. You know, make sure that your attorney's here. Make sure that they're local. I mean, have you ever gotten any pushback about something like that? And and what are your thoughts on that? What would your response be if someone did? run those types of ads and a, question and a client asks you about
4: it. Sure, well not every client knows that I spend three or four weeks each month out of the country, but it's not something that I hide either. I'm you know, very honest with the clients if they ask. I let them know, is this your real office or is this a virtual office? Well, these days most, most offices are virtual offices and this is what we have. We keep our overhead low so that we don't have to settle your case to pay the light bill every month. Clients understand budgets, clients understand quality of life. They want to work from home. So I've never had a client fault my firm or me or my team for working from home. I welcome competition. I really don't see it as competition. I know that's probably the strangest thing you've ever heard a personal injury lawyer say. I don't worry about competition because unfortunately, there's enough accidents for everyone. That's horrible to say, but it's the truth. There are enough clients for everyone. And the clients that I want are not the clients who are going to be calling most billboards. I don't like billboards. I've never had a billboard. I never will have a billboard. And if somebody ever wanted to to make me sort of the 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 reason they got a billboard, you know, more power to them. I wish them luck. Um, my clients don't care where I physically sit. My clients care that I know their names and I know what's wrong with them and I'm watching their case and I have an excellent team and we fight for them, and we get them wonderful results. They don't care if I do that in Mexico or if I do that in Florida.
2: I love your mindset. Where do you think this comes from? Where do you, I know you had a love of travel, but where do you think this came from, this approach that you have?
4: I, I've always had a slightly different mindset from others around me. I've always called it Part of it at least is grit, growing up with a lot of challenges, you know, facing that homelessness at age 16, dropping out of high school, being on my own since age 16, putting myself through school, uh, almost dying in a car accident that permanently disabled my husband when I was 19 and he was in his early 20s. These are all just challenges that I look at as what can I learn from this? How do we grow from this? How do we move forward? and make something bigger and more beautiful out of this. I think it's just just really luck. It's just really, I don't know if it's just partially genetics, partially environment, but I, I've always felt like I'm the, you know, I might not be the smartest person in the room. I can tell you that I'm never the smartest person in the room, but damn, I'm always the grittiest person in the room. I can fight through anything and I never give up. And I think having that attitude is what sets the, the lawyers really, follow their dreams and, and grow their firms to, to new heights. That sets them apart from the people who think we have to do it this way. We have to have a brick and mortar. We can't let people work from home. We can't let everybody know what the other person's making. I think we, you have to open your mind and you have to challenge yourself to, to try new things and to build something that seems crazy and outrageous because it'll happen if you just go for it.
3: I love it. I love that message, that's fantastic. All right, so we are up against the time. So I do I do want to cut things where we are now. But before I do, I want to remind everyone, go to the Facebook group, get engaged there. There's a lot of great information. And then also remember to register for Max LawCon twenty twenty. And then also make sure to register for the Zapathon in January. Jimmy, what is your hack of the week?
2: A lot of our members of our group talked to me from time to time about doing a podcast. and I just wanna make a plug for podcasting as a activity. Obviously, we've grown the Maximum Lawyer podcast a lot and we've had so many new friends, now Chelsea included, who've been on the show. It's just such a great way to connect with people. I read an awesome article that I'll share out when this episode drops in the New York Times about why podcasting is so different than all other kinds of media, how people can listen to you in the car or on their run or Around the house and how it builds a connection in a way that most other forms of media cannot. So if you're thinking about doing a podcast, number one, it's a lot easier than you think. You can just set it up so that you're doing the recording and everybody else does the rest of the work. And it's just a way to build an audience and build connections with people that is scalable.
3: I completely agree, and that's why I started the firm podcast, and it's 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 already getting traction with clients, and so I. I I completely agree with you. All right, Chelsea, we always ask our guests to have a tip or or a hack, and so I'm not sure if Jim told you that, but it could be a book, it could be a podcast, could be anything, any any sort of tip or hack. Do you have one for
4: us? Absolutely. Probably one of the best business books that changed my life was Profit First. I can't recommend that book enough.
3: And I completely agree. It's a fantastic book. And Apparently there's, I cannot think of the name of it, Ryan McKean. If, reach out to Ryan McKean if you want to know the name of this book. There's one very similar that it sounds like Ryan actually, he, he recommends profit first, but it sounds like the concepts are very, very similar. Um, all right. So my tip is an app or I guess a service, but you can use it on uh, on your phone or, or on your desktop. One of my, I, I, my son, my oldest son is eight years old. And uh, so I've got an eight-year-old, a four-year-old and a three-year-old. And so we're at this age where we wanna now monitor their screen time, what they're doing, um, what they're accessing. And so it's a struggle. I mean, I'm, we're just sort of getting into this, but Google now has this family link. I, to me, it's new. I don't know if it's new to other people, but it allows us to monitor what things he is accessing. It allows us to limit what he can access. And so it's, it's actually a, a nice little app where we can track everything. It requires a separate email address for the child, which is fine. We just gave him basically his name as his email address. And so it's a really easy way for us to monitor things. So uh, Family Link, I highly recommend it. Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. A lot of great information. So thank you so much.
4: Thank you, Jim and Tyson. I really appreciate being here.
2: Bye, guys. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.